from Luke chapter number 2, Luke chapter number 2, and uh, we have already in the last several services uh, been in Luke chapter 2, but I'm going to read it again this evening. Uh, we ref- commonly refer to it as the Christmas story and the account and scripture of the birth of our Savior. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1 of Luke chapter 2, and then I'll read down uh, a little ways and I'll cut it off around verse 15, and uh, then I'll bring a message tonight that I want to Uh, remind us of some things, and uh, it doesn't do us any good to say, use these little slogans that we hear, Jesus is the reason for the season, if we don't really make him the reason. Uh, We don't, we have to get off of our soapbox and say, we don't need to commercialize Christmas if we're not going to put the focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't disagree with those things, I just think sometimes we fall into the rhetoric, and we don't really put our focus where the focus needs to be. And so I want to help us with that just for a little while tonight. And I will not be very long. I promise you it will not be Christmas by the time we get done. Uh, it may be close, but it will not be Christmas. Uh, but uh, I think it would be something that will help us as we, as we go into the Christmas day tomorrow. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But what a great reminder of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just the fact that he came, but I think we need to be reminded of why he came. He came to pay the sin sacrifice, be the sin sacrifice, to pay the sin debt of all mankind. Think about that. Uh, to pay for your sins, to pay for my sins, to pay for every man's sins. And what a wonderful thought to think that God loved us enough to send his son. That Jesus loved us enough that he would leave uh, heaven. You think about this. As a, as a Christian, and the older we get, the more we start, and the, more, and the longer we've been saved, the way it should be as we get closer to our Lord, we should have a stronger longing for that place called heaven. Don't we comfort ourselves with, when we get to heaven, we're not going to hurt. We get to heaven, we're not going to shed any more tears. We get to heaven, we're not going to have this old flesh. Well, we comfort ourselves and we want to leave this world behind to go to that place of peace and perfection. Jesus cared enough about us that he left that place to come to the earth that were cursing the place of turmoil so that he could pay your sin debt and pay my sin debt. What a great, great thought. Tonight I want to take just a few moments and I want to bring a message I've entitled, 
what the birth of Christ demands. What the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ tells us a lot. The birth of Christ reminds us of many things. But there's some things the birth of Christ actually demands of you and I. Demands of mankind. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that for the next few moments that uh, we would be encouraged, we'd be helped, we'd be reminded uh, what a wonderful thought it is, the fact that you loved us. And Father, the Christmas season is a wonderful season, but I know there's many, many people who hurt during this time of year. There's many now as we gather together, we sing those uh, songs, remind us of the season. There's many who are wondering if there's anybody out there who cares about them. And Father, we know and we're thankful to know uh, that there's a God and we have a God who loves us unconditionally. I pray that you'll bless the remainder of our service. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There are some things in life that it is just hard for you and I to be indifferent to. You use the time of year that we are in right now. Tomorrow is Christmas Day. In the life of a child, that is not a day they can be indifferent to. It's Christmas. Before the service, I saw several of the children, and I asked them, I said, do you know what tomorrow is? And it, big old eyes, and they nod their head. I said, it's school tomorrow. And it's like, no, Pastor, it's Christmas it's Christmas Day tomorrow. There's something about that word in the life of a child. And they don't, hey, you know it's Christmas coming? Yeah, whatever. I've never met a child that way. Uh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. And I was going to say tonight that you finally get to an age when you outgrow that a little bit. But then I saw David Bassler's jacket. And I guess uh, for some, you don't outgrow uh, whether or not uh, Christmas season or not. But anyway, uh, you can, as a child, you can't be indifferent to that. There's things in your home it's just hard for you to be indifferent to. Uh, I think back, you know, men, you might be able to relate with this. You might be too afraid to relate with it sitting next to your wife, but you fall in love, you get married, then the holiday season rolls around and your wife tells you, my mom's coming to visit. Men, isn't it hard to be indifferent to the fact that your mother-in-law is coming to visit? I told you you'd be afraid to comment on that. As, as most of you know, our oldest daughter just got engaged, and so my wife informed me that I cannot make any more mother-in-law jokes. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm going to have fresh material like every, <laughs> every week. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but anyway, back to the birth of our Savior. Um, in a nation's history, there's things that men just cannot be indifferent to. I, I love to read. I love to read about our nation's history, and there's certainly things that have taken place in our nation's history that it's impossible, especially during that time period, for men to be indifferent to. You think of the drafting of the Declaration of Independence, and those men that, that signed that document, they took it a little more seriously than like and sin. I mean, it was, they were signing their lives away. It was hard to be indifferent. You couldn't be indifferent. And certainly when word got out to uh, England, they were not indifferent when it came to that. You think of other things that have taken place in our nation, like the War of Northern Aggression. Some of you call it the Civil War, but it's the, the War of no Northern Aggression. 
Um, uh, you think of that, uh, it was, a, it was a, an event that men could not be indifferent to. Uh, and we could go on and on and on throughout our nation's history, and there are just certain things that affect mankind. They may affect the individual. They may affect a home. They may affect a nation. But we read in Scripture the birth of our Savior, and truly this is an event that took place in our history that affected mankind. It affected mankind in this day. It affects mankind today. And until the Lord calls us all home and it's all over with, it'll affect mankind for all of eternity. The birth of our Savior. But see, this is not just in a, a historical event. This is an event that changed history. Uh, it, is, it is not possible to be indifferent, to have no opinion about the birth of our Savior. You may say, well, Pastor, I know people who, they, they just, they've refused to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They refuse, yes, Jesus, they may say they believe that Jesus actually was born and they believe he was the Son of God, but they've just refused to put all of their faith in him. They're not indifferent to the birth of the Son of God. They've just chosen to reject the Son of God. And I would say, and I would caution, be indifferent to the Lord Jesus Christ at your own risk of eternal peril. Here's something that took place. We read it every year. We talk about it every year. Many of you, it's a tradition. Christmas Eve, I've already taken care of it for you tonight, so you can go home and go right to bed reading the Christmas story and, and oh, be reminded that Jesus is what it's all about. But we cannot be indifferent. Tonight, I want to remind us of that, and I want to use the birth of our Savior to challenge us. I want to be, I don't want to ever get used to the fact that God sent his son to this earth to die for mankind. I, don't, I, I, was, I was born into a Christian's home, born into a pastor's home, been in church my whole life. I've heard it my whole life, but I don't want to treat it like I've heard it my whole life. I want to approach the subject, the fact, the birth of our Savior, which leads to the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Savior, which, as I preached this last Sunday morning, leads to the return of the Savior. I want it to always have the place in my life that it should. I trust that you do too. Let me mention by the outline tonight what the birth of Christ demands. First of all, and we even find that in our story, but I'll not take too much time to uh, get back into the, the text this evening. But the first word I want to use is acknowledgement. The birth of Christ demands acknowledgement. The shepherds that day, they acknowledged it. The wise men that you, if we were to continue reading, they would acknowledge it. Mankind would acknowledge it. You and I, it's important that we acknowledge it, not just the fact that it happened, but we acknowledge with our life and our choices. We came here on this Christmas Eve night, and boy, it's, it's, it's to celebrate Christmas which is celebrating the birth of, our, of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, which I hope is your personal Savior. But there is, it demands something of us. 
more than just getting together on a Christmas Eve. It demands something of us more than just taking a, a, a time out, if you will, and, and acknowledging the Lord Jesus Christ and then getting back to all of the festivities that, by the way, I'm for. I'm not against any of them. But there comes an acknowledgement that comes with our life and our choices. I think we do ourselves a disservice and we certainly dishonor our God to one time a year, one day a year acknowledge that Jesus was born. One time a year acknowledge the Son of God is here. And he was born deity, the Son of God, never committed a sin. Otherwise, he could not have paid our sin debt. But I want you to know that the birth of Christ demands acknowledgement with your life and your choices. The choices I make with my life determines whether or not I'm truly acknowledging that the Son of God was born. I remember as a child hearing the story of Jesus being born, Jesus being crucified, putting my faith and trust in what Christ did. Now, I want to live like he came. I want to live like he made a difference. There's an acknowledgement. Uh, your life this, this evening, uh, only, you can be, if you, only you can be honest enough with yourself to know are the choices you're making, the life you're living. What, do, what is it really saying about the Son of God? What is it really saying about the fact that Christ came? This evening, if you're not saved, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. Well, that's... That, you, you, that, you have to get that settled. You, you can't be indifferent to that. There's a heaven. There's a hell. There's nowhere in the middle. All men will spend eternity in one place or another. If you've never acknowledged the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, came and lived a sinless life to die for your sins and to pay your sin debt, and all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Him, get that settled. What a Christmas gift. There must be, the birth of Christ demands acknowledgement. It doesn't do this world any good to say we're not celebrating the birth of Christ. We're celebrating all the, everything else that goes with it. There's an acknowledgement that must be. Number two, the second word I want to use tonight, what the birth of Christ demands is worship. We acknowledge with our life and our choices. Let me back up to acknowledgement again. As a parent says to a child, I want you to go and I want you to do this. I'll say, clean your room. Now, if they don't go clean their room, did they really acknowledge the authority of the parent, who the parent is, the fact there's a responsibility? Same could be said of us. The Lord Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're lost and you don't acknowledge the fact that, that Jesus is the Son of God, a Savior, come to save the sins of the world, that's something that that has to take place. But we go to that second word, that word worship. We worship with our heart and our actions. We cannot truly worship with our heart without humility. The Son of God came and put on flesh. You know what it took for, how many of you are saved tonight? You're on your way to heaven. What a great sight. It took faith for you to be saved. We know that. But you know what it took? For it had, you know what you had to have in your heart in order for you to put your faith in Christ? Humility. 
realizing that you were not enough to save yourself. You know, we ought to worship our God. We ought to worship the Son of God. Worship is not something that starts with raised hands. It's something that starts in the heart. It starts in the humility of the heart. Long before the outward action takes place, there must be humility in the heart to acknowledge there is a God. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. I I do not measure up to Him. And humility says that with my heart and my actions, I am going to worship my God. It's not an activity as much as it is a practice that takes place in our heart. But there's also there's praise that goes with that. When's the last time that we've been thankful to the Lord and just had to stop and say, God, I just got to talk to you for a second. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for saving me. We get to a place sometimes as Christians that we forget that we're unworthy of salvation. Sometimes we're so far removed from when we got saved, we begin to, to, to fall in the trap of thinking we deserve to be saved. Nobody in here deserves salvation. Nobody in here. You think, you think mankind deserved for the Son of God to leave heaven and put on flesh and be born in, in such a, a, a low estate? And go to the cross of Calvary. Oh, no, friend, we did not deserve that. There ought to be some worship that goes into uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords died for my sins. He is the Son of God. But that worship, it comes with our heart and our action. And the birth of Christ demands it. There are too many even Christians who are indifferent to what Christ has done. They're indifferent to the birth of our Savior. It's Christmas time. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season. Okay, well, what, what about our, 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 our heart and our actions? There's humility that's there with that. The third word is the word witness. There, we find some in, this, in the account of the birth of our Savior, they were a witness to this event. And then they in turn, told others of what they had seen and they had heard. I had you raise your hand just a moment ago. I'm going to ha- ask you to do it again. I just like doing that. How many of you are saved on your way to heaven? Who have you told about it? Has salvation changed you? I'm looking at some of you, and I remember you before you got saved, and I'll say, oh, yeah, it changed you. But it changed all of us. If you got saved in the, in the church Sunday school class as a child, it changed you. Who are we told? We acknowledge with our life and our choices. I'm going to make a choice because I believe there's a God. I'm going to, I'm going to be careful with my choices because I believe he sits on his throne. I'm going to be careful with the choices I make on a day-to-day basis because I want to acknowledge, yes, he did come to this earth and put on flesh. He did come and, and as these witnesses, and he did go to the cross of Calvary. He was resurrected. I acknowledge that in my daily choices. I want to worship him with a heart and the actions that come from that with a heart of humility. I want to be a witness with my lips and my testimony. I should tell others of salvation. 
And I, I should also live salvation in front of others. Think about it. Does your life tell others that there's something different about you? Pastor, this isn't supposed to be a Christmas Eve service. This is supposed to be fun and festivities, and, and I don't see no candles in here tonight, and that's what I was expecting, and, and I didn't know you were going to get up. And Jesus came from heaven for you and I. He came from heaven so that he might go to the cross of Calvary so that we might be saved. Wait, I don't, hey, it's, I, when I got up this morning, I wasn't wondering if I, if I died, if I went to heaven or hell. I know where I'm going. Jesus did that. And we ought to be willing to tell others. What a wonderful time during the Christmas season to be a witness of what God has done to you and for you. But also, our life should be a testimony of salvation in front of others as well. I believe the birth of Christ demands that for a Christian. I know it's a command. But I believe the fact that Jesus came, it demands it. Some are going to open presents tomorrow and say, don't you be ungrateful. Some wives can say to her husband, I know you never like what my mom gives you, but you be grateful. You be grateful. But how many Christians go through life really ungrateful for their salvation? You must be because we don't tell anybody about it. Our life does not live salvation in front of others. Then fourthly and finally, and I'll be done, the fourth word I would mention tonight that the birth of Christ demands is anticipation. We should anticipate with our direction and our surrender. Will I be surrendered to the will of God? See, Pastor, what's the will of God? It's the word of God you hold in your hand. Uh, we ought to be surrendered to that by our direction. You know, Jesus could come, return, the trumpet could sound tonight. Some of you say, well, if, if he'd tell me when, I wouldn't have to go by Walmart one more time. So that would be okay with me. He could come back tonight. Are you looking for him? Are you anticipating? Are you looking forward to See, it's easy to tell whether or not a Christian is truly anticipating the return of the Son of God by the direction they're going with their life. The closer we walk to someone, the closer we walk to Him, the more surrendered we are to His will, the more ready we are for His return. When Jesus came the first time, and I preached on this Sunday morning, I'll not preach it again. When He came the first time, everything that took place was for the salvation of man until he ascended into heaven. And he's coming the second time. It's going to be much different when he comes the second time than when he came the first time. We ought to, with anticipation, approach the fact that Jesus did come, what he did do for us, uh, that with the direction and the surrender of our life. Many things that take place that we cannot be indifferent to. Christian, have you gotten indifferent to the birth of our Savior? I'm, I'll be 46 in just a, I know it's shocking that I look this good for 46, but I'll be 46 in just a few months, a couple months. February 20th, exactly. 
if you want to jot that down. Um, I'm certain before I could even remember, but I'm certain for 46 years, I've heard the Christmas story read. But I cannot be indifferent to it. If we're not careful, we'll become indifferent to what Christ did, what God did. Make Christmas a good time. Oh, I hope I get everything I want. I hope you do too. Oh, I hope they don't burn the I hope they don't burn it either. Oh, I hope, you know, I hope that certain families said they were gonna try and stop by. I hope they get tied up and they can't come. <laughs> I hope all your Christmas wishes come true. But should we not make a point to consider what the birth of Christ demands? Of us. You think about what God did for us. That's all I want to do tonight is put focus what He did for us, but then flip that around to our responsibility. It's wonderful to talk about what Jesus did. I love talking about what Jesus did. I love talking about the crucifixion, the resurrection. He's coming again. What salvation does, not ever having to worry about eternity. That's a wonderful feeling. That's wonderful to know. That when this life ends, we're going to, where we're going to spend, that's wonderful. But what is my responsibility to what Christ did? What does that demand of me? Let's approach that in that regard tonight. Uh, are you acknowledging who he is, by the way, the choices you're making? Are we worshiping him? It's a spirit of humility. It's a heart of humility. Oh, what the things that it demands of us. Let's put the focus on that this evening. Father, I pray that you'll...